0: I know you're counting on the holiday shopping season to bring in substantial sales. But what if you could use that seasonal rush to boost your profit all year round? Capitalize on that wallet-out, ready-to-buy traffic spike by offering subscriptions. It's the easiest way to generate dependable recurring revenue month after month, even after the holidays are over. I know there are a few recurring order apps out there, but my go-to is always bold subscriptions. It's the most feature-rich subscription app, yet it's easy to set up, maintain, and most importantly, easy for your customers to use. It's got subscription models for pretty much everybody, like single product, mixed cart, box of the month, build a box, try before you buy, subscribe and save, and more. Now here's the insider info from my friends at Bold. If you want to maximize retention, they've got a feature called Dynamic Discounts. It lets your customers unlock future discounts after a set interval subscription like five months, or whatever you set it to. It's a huge churn buster. This year, don't miss out on a chance to keep generating revenue from your Black Friday customers all year long. We're talking about Bold Subscriptions, and you could try it free by visiting boldcommerce.com or searching Bold Subscriptions in the Shopify App Store. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called order lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores, like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells, to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page, so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the app store. Hello, and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from EtherCycle HQ on the fifth floor of the professional building in Westfield Old Orchard Mall. As I look out over all this glorious retail parking lot, I could kind of see the city skyline. Mostly, there's a double-tree Hotel in the way, if I'm honest, but that doesn't sound as good, does it? So, I, I love the business I've built, and part of that, it's like truth. Fully, it's a lifestyle business in that it reflects my lifestyle, and if it reflects my lifestyle, it has to reflect my beliefs, and those beliefs are reasons for our success. Having those core principles really helps guide you in knowing, like, this is what I want to be doing. It helps you be happier with it. It helps you en- enjoy your your business more. It helps you love it, and that helps you invest more time of it, uh, time in it, and succeed as a result. So, like, yeah, the end goal is to support your lifestyle and, and, and make money, but it is a means to an end in that sense. so, like for us, we wanted to be an independent company in that we didn't want to take debt or have investors, and we want to work with other entrepreneurs that share those values. If you take raise venture capital, that's fine, but you're not a good fit for us right so that's you know, that that's one of our like say five or six core values, and I think it's important to have those and certainly you may even be able to build a business along those lines by following those values and finding other people that share them with you. And our guest today has been able to do that over the last five years, starting from zero, building a tremendous brand, starting only when she was 22. We are joined by Emily Jaime, who is the founder of Yure. And Yure's main goal is to make getting dressed easy, They are a socially conscious and ethically made fashion and home decor brand with easy to wear and easy to pack clothing for the modern traveler and everyday woman. And Emily Jaime built her online boutique with the desire to not only design functional easy to wear clothing, but also empower and encourage women to live their best lives. I can't disagree with that. That sounds great. Emily, thank you for joining us.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on your show. I'm such a big fan. So, this is awesome for me. <laughs> no,
0: I appreciate it. Yeah, the, the pleasure is mine. Tell me about Ure. What is it? Where the name come from?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, Yere is actually Hebrew for will provide. And growing up, it is something, it's kind of like a mantra, I guess I always had um, throughout my life, like always just thinking, you know when hard times come, like things will be provided. And so it's something that I always told myself and in building a brand, it was, you know, something that kind of always stuck along me throughout my life and um, then switching to creating an ethically made women's clothing brand and wanting to do the same for other women and other people and, you know, the makers of our clothing, it just was the perfect fit.
0: And have you found, found that to be the case? Has the universe provided?
1: Yes. Um, I've never gone without anything I haven't needed. And so it's always been, um, you know, if you put it out there, I really do think that it comes to you. You know, I,
0: I'm not necessarily a spiritual person, but I have to agree that that has been my experience. And I think it's largely like it's, if you have that belief, it speaks to a larger mindset that is very enabling. Um, I think it fits within abundance mindset. And certainly like I've had this experience where over and over one door shuts or, we suddenly develop some need, and suddenly, like a new opportunity arises, sometimes at the same day that fills that gap that solves that problem. Um, and it has been embracing that and, and having faith in it has been tremendously freeing, at least, a, I'm certainly less stressed.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's like, you know, it, it helps you, like, especially in business, you know, there's so many ebbs and flows and you're unsure of what tomorrow is even going to bring sometimes. But to have that, um like, mindset of abundance or, you know, the universe will provide or however you want to think of it that fits into your life, you can always um, kind of sort of rely on that to know that, okay, everything's going to be okay. I can take a deep breath. This wasn't the door for me, chapter, whatever. Something else is coming.
0: It's, it's such a, a positive way to live. So how did that belief translate into a business? How did you start this brand back in 2014 when you were just 22? That's crazy. And wonderful, congrats.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was it's been an a crazy journey. <laughs> um, I so I've always been in love with the in love with the country Indonesia, and I actually moved there when I was 22. I got a scholarship to study abroad any anywhere in the world that I wanted, and um, I chose Bali, which doesn't isn't known for its education, but I was like so in love with the people and the culture there that I wanted to immerse myself um, more into it, kind of learn about. the the culture in general and the language and so I moved there in 2014 and while I was there studying I started to find you know my mind was more on the textiles of the country and the beautiful like creators and it seemed like you could make almost anything like your heart desired so being a very creative person I was like oh my gosh I can make like anything here I could make a purse I could make this I could make that and so I just started to dream like and I ended up meeting a family um, randomly who came up to me and they were like, hey, like, do you want to make T-shirts? And I was like, hi, I'm Emily. Um, I'm not sure if I want to make T-shirts, but that's a possibility. I've been, you know, seeing all these things and um, I've been thinking that maybe I do want to make something. And they were like, cool, do you want to come have tea with me? And you know, being 22, you're super naive. I don't recommend doing this with everybody. But I was like, yeah, I'll come to your house and have tea. And I sat down and, um, you know, there was a huge language barrier. I was only just learning Indonesian, but getting to hear a little bit of their story. And they were seamstress family by trade. And um, just seeing how they worked and how me, you know, creating, like, placing an order through them could really have such a big impact on their lives and on their families, like, financial gain that it made me want to do that and want to support them. And so that's kind of how it started was it was with the I have the desire to create and then I see a need and I wanted to mesh those two together.
0: And what I I certainly see the the desire to create. I love creating stuff. You get that like that dopamine rush of productivity. And that that I think truly is achievement and happiness. But where was the need you saw and how did this turn turn into uh, your business as as it is now? What was the what happened next? How did i help me make the leap?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. I, I see business as, you know, different stages. So back then we were in like the infant stage. I didn't know what I was doing. I just saw the need back then was to help financially support this family who was going through rough times. And I wanted to be a part of that. Um, So I created one product to support them. And I was like, I guess I'm going to start a business when I get home um, off after my trip. It wasn't like I didn't see the full picture yet. And then when I got home, I created a website to sell my one product. It was—it's our panty short. It's a um, like an easy short to wear, and that is when I started to realize like it sold out within a month. And then I realized, wow, I'm affecting—I can affect so many more people like with having a brand and a platform than just this one family. Whereas my mind was like limited back then. And then I was like, I can actually have a voice for women I can empower I can encourage I can use this as a positive um, you know platform to really make women feel like their best selves not just you know where the fashion industry I feel like it's the opposite like they play off of women's insecurities to make a sale whereas I wanted to promote overall health and wellness and create products to just accentuate that so yeah does that make sense (laughs) yeah so let me
0: So uh, you started the store, you had one product. How did you, the hard part when you're in that infant stage is getting the audience, is getting anyone to pay attention and then getting anyone at all to care. How did you manage that?
1: You know, I think um, Instagram was just starting-ish back then. So I really you know, utilize that as a big tool. And I think from the beginning, I knew it was important to create good content. So even before, you know, Instagram was all beautifully aesthetic, and you had to have, you know, all of this together, I knew that I needed good photos, if I was going to be online, because people can't touch and feel your fabric. So I had to relay all of that through my branding, and through images, and through captions, and through what I, you know, create and especially on my website, I knew that I couldn't have just a, you know, slap together thing. I had to put time and thought and effort. And I think um, through creating good content, like really good content, then people started to take notice. Especially since it was so new back then. But now, it like the same rules apply.
0: I think certainly uh, there's serendipity there for the people who started on Instagram five years ago. Um, and earlier, it was really a, a powerful time to jump on it. And that, that helped a lot of brands. Um, like, uh, repeat guest, Beef Brody from Technical Baby Gear. I mean, one thing it's like when I asked him, Hey, how did you build your audience? The answer was, Well, I mean, we started on Instagram five years ago, and the people who did that really got lucky and at the time didn't realize what they were investing in. Is Instagram still valid today? Can you still succeed with Instagram marketing?
1: You know, I think that. It is a good tool for your business, but I don't necessarily think that it's your all in. Like you can't just be like, I'm going to have an Instagram like run business. It does seem to work for some people, but for the majority of businesses, I think it is just an asset to your business and that you really do have to build other, um, you know authenticity in other places as well, not necessarily just relying on that platform.
0: And I think that's like been my experience with Instagram, and the biggest issue with it is of the social media platforms, it is the least authentic, it is the fakest by far. It's very much like this follow-for-follow culture, and no one really paying attention. It's a strange animal. Where, If you had to start over again today, where would you invest your time?
1: I would definitely invest my time in email um, newsletter marketing. I think that that is a very big key for any business because I'm sure you've heard it before and I'm sure your audience hears it before, but nobody can touch that list. Like there's no algorithm messing with your email and all of that. It's like, those are the people that opted in to say like, I believe in you. I trust you. I want to hear more from you. And they're your most valuable customers. And you can literally create beautiful content and things like centered and geared just towards them. And they are way more likely to see it and open it and engage with it.
0: I think a lot of people would absolutely 100% agree with you, but then the trouble they get into is they're like, all right, I want to do more email. I totally believe in email. What the heck should I send people, right? And you have you have mastered content and your story and engaging with people and connecting with them. Give me the crash course. How do I? What does a, a good email marketing strategy look like for you?
1: So for me, it is. um storytelling, so the art of, you know, being able to be very relatable. Um, And well, first, let me back up. So the three things I use are storytelling, relatability, and being very repetitive. So to break each of those down, people think in stories so you can kind of process and understand things better when it's told to you as a story and you can see where you fit into that as well so if I'm just explaining marketing to you it's not gonna work out but if I you know you're gonna be like oh that's cool but if I use it in a story to be like you know this fits into your life in this way because it can serve you here and here you're like thinking about all of the things and filling in the gaps for yourself of how it it works for you and how you can see yourself using that product or, you know, being a part of that brand or whatever. So storytelling is a huge tool and then being relatable in that. So you don't want to just necessarily like email doesn't have to be so proper. It can be very conversational. And I think people like it when it feels conversational, like you're having coffee with somebody and um, reading your inbox is like, you know, having a discussion And then being repetitive with your brand messaging. So you can't always think that, oh, I said this once. I can never say it again. Um, Everybody, like people think that I'm just repeating myself over and over. Half the time, people aren't necessarily listening. So being repetitive with your messaging and repetitive with your storytelling um, will really help you get that message across.
0: Impactful and brilliant advice. I think the (laughs) the mistake people get into is they... Especially like in school, they have beaten out a conversational tone. And the moment someone sits down to write and it is in a business context, it completely changes how they write. It's like you're not writing a cover letter for your resume when you're doing email marketing. You are trying to connect with the other humans who have opted in to receive your messages. So try and make it feel one-on-one as opposed to one-to-many, and it absolutely works better. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24/7 sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand US-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24/7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R.ai. And now back to the show. Hit me. I mean, that, that, that's such good advice. Do you have any resources, books, guides, things that helped you figure this out uh, along the way, like especially with those uh, storytelling? Do you have any storytelling resources?
1: Well, I really like the book story brand, so I actually um, I create a lot of you know my brand materials based off of that. like you and it's very basic. It's basically using the story plot like they talk about how all good movies, um, you know, the ones that do well, they have a clear beginning, middle, and end. You know what the narrative is. You know who the main character is. You know who the villain is. And, you know, like, they take you through this, um, this little flow that you feel, like, connected to. And so I feel like I try to use that in a lot of my marketing and a lot of um, the things. It's also been a lot of trial and error. Like, see what your audience like relates to you test things out. Don't be afraid to like try something and see how they're relating to you. Cause it's very much a two way street and to try to meet people where they're at with it as well. Like, say things that are in today's like, you know, modern media or discuss like whoever you think your brand, like your ideal customer avatar is or whoever you're talking to, like say things that will relate to them. And it makes it a lot easier if you bring it down to like, you're talking to one person, not the hundreds of people that are on your email list. And then creating off of that will help you, you know, create better content for that one person.
0: And I'll include a link in the show notes to that book, Building a Story Brand, because it—you are not the first person to recommend it. It really is a, a great resource for figuring out that that brand story and working through better copywriting. I've also noticed you have really tremendous video content. Tell me about, like, talk to me about that. Like, this is the first year where I've doubled down on video, um, and it has been a great way to engage people. It, but it's still—it's a difficult, it's a different medium. Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah. Video is really hard. It's not necessarily my favorite because I, especially, well, me being in front of the camera, like if I'm filming other people or, if you know, we're capturing something, I like that vision. But if you have to be in front of the camera, it's a little bit harder, but I think it's a necessary next step of, you know, to add to any business because people, especially if you're online, um, people are more keen to, like say you're selling a physical product to see what it looks like on, to visually be able to um, kind of imagine themselves of where they would wear it, what they would do in it, um, how it would flow on their body type. Or if you're selling, you know, Anything they want to, like YouTube, people go to YouTube all the time to look something up to learn something rather than just straight reading about something and trying to imagine it. So you're kind of cutting out that one step where people have to read and then try to figure it out. Like you're just like giving it to them right there and all they have to do is absorb. But it is very hard sometimes to be able to create it. It's more expensive than photography, but I think it is a necessary tool for every business to be able to convert into um, more sales and more trust building. I think video builds a lot of trust.
0: Yeah, we've noticed like anytime we include video, it almost guaranteed to boost conversions. And I think part of it is the medium itself just conveys so much information so quickly and easily. You don't have to rely on someone both reading everything and having like adequate reading comprehension or paying enough attention to it to understand it. Like video cuts through uh, all that noise. And by virtue, I think people understand, hey, video is hard to create and not everybody has it. So the by virtue of having video, it is a trust indicator. It adds a lot of professionalism. Uh, you do a tremendous job for our audience. Check out just the, the hero video they use on their homepage is so engaging and eye-catching and visually interesting. Um, oh, thank you. Oh yeah, I sat there like I sat there and watched the whole thing. It was so cool.
1: Well, I can't take credit for it. I have an awesome videographer. Her name is Casey, and she like does all of our photos and video, and just really has captured the essence of the brand. So I didn't personally do it, so I can't take full credit. But <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: but you, you found her. You communicated the story. It worked. It, it's really it's so good. Thank you. So that video certainly it, it helps. You're a standout from the crowd, from other women's clothing boutique. And on Shopify, fashion and apparel is, I believe, the biggest vertical. So there's a ton of competition there. It really, it's a a difficult place to stand out and succeed. You've managed it. What are you doing that makes you stand out?
1: Yeah, I feel like the fashion, it is very hard. Um, There are clothing boutiques everywhere. And to try to you know, convert yours into actual sales, like you can make the most beautiful platform, but then to actually have a customer, it is really hard. And I think what um, kind of separates us from the other people on Shopify is that number one, we're responsibly made. So as you mentioned in the beginning, I do have um, ethics, brand ethics that I stick to and that I do repeat over and over. And, um, but I think that it mainly comes from the fact of, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier about the fashion narrative, where usually, you know, clothing companies or brands or just the fashion industry in general um, plays off of women's insecurities. So somebody will already be feeling negatively about themselves and want to fix it. And then a clothing company will be there to say, here, wear this and you'll feel better. Whereas I feel like Year A really tries to focus on, Um, women's health, mental health and wellness first and then letting our clothing and our products be an accessory to that, not necessarily meaning that they need it to be whole, but just to be an accent to it, to be like, I am already amazing and this dress makes me feel more amazing. So I think anybody can kind of um, recreate that model and really care if you truly care about your customers and what you're making and then kind of put that into everything you do so every bit of content you create is to you know tell a narrative that is empowering encouraging and really you really care
0: so when you say um you focus first on health and wellness how do you do that it's it it's through content marketing like that's the message that gets repeated
1: Yes. So like in my email newsletters, every month I put out an encouraging um, like note to women to kind of meet them where they're at and like with struggles that maybe I'm going through and like a note from the designer to kind of relate on a personal level. And then in our, you know, social marketing, our clothing, like we talk about our clothing a lot, but it's kind of more of we talk about the women wearing the clothing first. So I like to think of, you know, I'm creating clothes, but there's a woman inside of my clothing that is, you know, thinking, breathing, feeling, she's the one that's going to be purchasing my clothing. And I want her to be whole and, you know, feel seen and valued first, because people are very smart, they know when you just want to take their money or like whatever. And if you're creating a business off of just wanting money, 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 then sometimes I mean, it's great, it's great to want, you know, have wealth. But I feel like if you, like what we do is, you know, put that woman first. And then I feel like the brand and the clothing follows that. And I think people really appreciate that.
0: So one of, uh, when we go to these Shopify partner conferences, there's been four of them. Mm-hmm. The uh, One of the common themes and their ethos that they have carried through for four years has been, we give more value than we take. And they always show it to us as like, here's the amount of revenue that Shopify or here's the amount of profit Shopify takes, and here's the amount that they pay out to merchants and partners. And it's a tremendous difference. So they have always stuck to that. It has clearly worked for them. I think you are following that same path there. What On that theme, why do you think it's so important to create a product that empowers people? What made you want yeah. to do that?
1: Well, first, that is a huge compliment. Thank you so much <laughs> um, to be compared to Shopify. But Um, Yes, I believe that it's so important to create a, a product that empowers people. And this can be for all products. But if you're creating from a place of passion and something that you truly care about, that is going to show up in your branding, your marketing, and in the products themselves. And people are going to be more attracted to that because of what you just said, like value adding. And if you're empowering and encouraging people, they're going to obviously like it's going to be a relationship it's a two-way street it's not just you trying to be bigger and sell to them and then you know keep that going it's like I want to relate to you on a personal level I want to care about what you're doing I want to care about what I'm making and putting that first and then um Feeling like your product, like if you believe that it will actually change people's lives, no matter what you have, like a dress, or you know, you sell marketing content to other people to help them. Like if you believe that you're being very helpful, then it's going to show through everything that you do.
0: What am I missing? Is there anything I, I should have asked that I haven't? Any anything I overlooked?
1: Um, I don't think so. I think you did a great job. We, you know, we have so much. So many things coming over at Yuri. I'm really excited for the future of like launching. We just launched an affiliate program that I'm excited about and kind of like letting customers more into our brand story and into our brand on a personal level. I think that's a powerful tool for a lot of businesses. And um, we're hoping to do some digital products and possibly a kids' line. So there's a lot of good things coming our way.
0: So you've got uh, an affiliate program, digital products coming, and more personal branding behind the scenes stuff. Let's unpack those. Uh, I think the, the simplest one there is probably the digital products. Like you are, you talk a lot about health and wellness. I'm guessing it's in that space.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: What have you found difficult about that?
1: You know, it's the learning curve of creating things like that. And also feeling, I, I feel like I get imposter syndrome every now and then of like, who am I to be, you know, talking about these things all of the time or, will people want to purchase, you know, the information that I have, or, you know, these things that I've learned, and, but it's a lot of, you know, quieting that voice, and just putting it out there in the world, and not being afraid to do it, but I think, I think that is the biggest thing, is just getting the, like, drive to want to do it, to not not feel, you know, that rejection, like, oh, what if it doesn't work out, but, um, yeah. How do you get over that?
0: How did you get over that?
1: Well, I think it's just trying over and over again. And if things don't work out or if you do fail to just know it's not the end of the world and most likely not that many, you know, people are so busy and wrapped up in what they're doing. It's not like your, you know, public failure is going to be like their ultimate focus on, you know, throughout their day, people are going to realize it and they're going to go on with their lives and you should too.
0: That is it's one of the most freeing things I learned in my <laughs> adult life is mo- everyone is dealing with their own shit. They don't. know. Yeah. Have- A normal, healthy individual does not have the mental free time to just be like worrying and obsessing about the dumb thing some stranger did. They don't care. And even if they did notice and did care, how long are they going to care for? An hour, a day, a week? Like it will all be forgotten unless you do something truly horrific, which I seriously doubt anyone listening is going to do. Um, but once you like you accept that, it really does it frees you up to not be afraid of failure, and that's what enables you to try stuff. And unless you are doing stuff that makes you a little bit nervous, you are not going to get very far, right? If you play it safe, it, like risk reward you you'll do you can do okay, but it, if you want you know, to really have fun with it and really really see where you can go, you got to do stuff that that scares you a little bit.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, on the opposite side, like, what if it does work out? And what if it is amazing? And if you were too scared to do it and jump out, then, you know, what would have happened? You wouldn't have had that. So it's, you can't live by fear.
0: So you're, absolutely. So you're launching this affiliate program. Uh, The, I find the, the hardest part about affiliate program is that you have to market it, like they don't just sell themselves. How are you going about attracting affiliates? What will you do to to help ensure the success of your affiliate program,
1: you know it, it, it. Yeah, I'm finding that it is more than just you know putting it on there and being like, okay, people, the people are going to come. But um, I haven't. It hasn't fully launched yet. We're launching it soon. But my plan is to, you know, already reach within our customer basis so I'm not necessarily going to start with like you know reaching out to huge influencers and all of that I'm going to reach out to the girls who are already obsessed with the brand or really like the brand and see where they fit into the brand messaging and then you know give them rewards for wearing and telling our story because they're already doing it and so to just to do it on like um, a more intensified level and I think that that is going to be kind of our model and so I don't have to reach out like super far outside of our pool to market it's more of just within you know Yuri's already a little tribe
0: I, I like it I think I think that's smart you're saying hey here are my true fans let's work with them they're already you know engaged in word of mouth let's enable them let's give them the tools that, that's a smart strategy the- thank you Last thing I want to I want to hear more about unpack is you said all right I want to do more personal messaging um, let people in on it I guess go behind the scenes I thought that you're already doing that well how are you going to go more personal more engaging
1: Oh um, th- what do you mean I'm sorry I might have missed that part
0: I thought in your the three things ahead I I thought one of them was it was like affiliate marketing digital products um, and a I thought the third one was um, going more personal with marketing i may be wrong we just oh. cut it
1: no 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 it was i said i was going to actually make a kid's line
0: oh a, all right totally missed that. Line.
1: <laughs> yeah i know it's totally fine i'm a new mom so okay. i am like getting really excited about the idea of having matching prints and um things like that for mother and their daughters so that's a possibly um a new avenue that i'm going to go down
0: when you do it, it will you do anything to validate it first what do you mean to make, you, know, you could just say, you know what, I'm going to make this and see what happens uh, and put it out there and launch a new line. Or will you you know, talk to customers, survey customers and say, hey, would you buy this before you do it?
1: Oh, I'm definitely going to survey. I've, I find that, you know, you can create these really cool surveys. I think on like like SurveyMonkey and there's a few other, I think Shopify even has some cool apps where you can create um, surveys off of them and kind of see, you know, what are mom's looking for like what is the price range that they're like willing to spend for a well-made children's outfit like is matching set something that they actually want and even like instagram polls and your stories i find is beneficial in both ways like you get a lot of engagement um off of it and then you get honest answers of what people want so i do think it's important to you know survey before you create and
0: final question yeah. When you've been at this for five years. What would you go back and tell yourself if you were starting over? One thing you would do differently? What would it be?
1: I would tell myself to relax a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I worry a lot and I stress out a lot. And you know, this goes. I guess it's being a little hypocritical because my brand mess. You know, my um, name is Will Provide. But sometimes I can get away from that and kind of focus hyper focus on the day's activities or the tasks that aren't being done, but to kind of relax a little bit, take a deep breath, and um, to rely more on the bigger picture rather than the daily fires that you have to put out. And to know that it can be fun and it can be an enjoyable thing. like business doesn't just have to be this like stressful like, you know entity. It can be you know amazing opportunity to, really pursue your passions
0: for someone who worries a lot and, and beats themselves up that really is um tr- it is freeing and powerful advice one of the the most impactful things my therapist ever told me was she just said "Kurt, you're too hard on yourself don't be so yeah. hard on yourself you're beating yourself up all the time it had never occurred to me i had no idea and so like hearing that from an independent third party so like, oh my gosh and over time i just kept reminding myself of it reminding myself of it and suddenly like I got less anxious and less anxious and more happy. And so it 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 is good advice to give yourself if you go back in time like hey, just just chill. It'll be okay. Don't beat yourself up.
1: Yeah, and I think as entrepreneurs too, I think we I'm finding a lot of us tend to do that. And it's like we put so much pressure on ourselves to be somewhere by a certain age, by a certain time, by certain years in business, but everybody's on a totally different journey, a different path and yeah, you're your longest relationship with yourself, so you can't just be mean all the time.
0: I like that. You're your longest <laughs> relationship with yourself. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So Thank where you. can people
1: go to learn more about you? Um, yes, yeah, so you can go to shop yure, which is Y-I-R-E-H dot com, or find us on Instagram, which is Y-I-R-E-H underscore, and again, you spell it Y-I-R-E-H.
0: I will include both of those links in the show notes. And I have it here in my notes it said that you've you will be offering an exclusive discount code to your online store for listeners.
1: Yeah, so anybody who is listening can get fifteen percent off your entire order with discount code unofficial.
0: Cool. Yeah, I will <laughs> get that in the show notes as well. Thank Use you. code unofficial for fifteen percent off your order. Boom, got it. Yay. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you, Emily. I I appreciate it. This has been uh, really insightful and inspiring. And thank you again for for sharing that journey with us.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor.
0: My pleasure. Talk soon. (laughs) All right. Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called Flex. Flex. And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles in Turbo but thought, I need more of this. That's where Flex is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now here's the coolest part. Flex has a new Demo Shop Import feature that allows you to fast-track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops, You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC.